Colorado. This is John Baird with I Love Colorado Beer podcast. I Love Colorado Beer is your home for craft beer news, events, and information, along with all of our great craft beer gear, including bottle opener hats and uh, sweatshirts that have a koozie in them and indestructible pint glasses, socks, all kinds of fun stuff. Just go to ilovecoloradobeer.com. Today on our show, we have Derek Gintz. He's the general manager here at Bristol Brewing Company. Derek, will you introduce yourself to our listeners? Uh, yeah, hi. Uh, my name is Derek Gintz. Uh, I've been with Bristol Brewing Company going on 11 years now. Um, I get the luxury of overseeing all the day-to-day operations uh, in our pub, in our brewery, with our distribution, with our employees, employee development, and uh, it's been a roller coaster of a ride. So uh, I'm glad to be a part here. Thanks for asking me, yeah. John, to be here. And, I look forward to uh, answering some questions. Awesome. So, um, the owner, uh, Mike Bristol, yes. started uh, Bristol Brewing Company in 1994. Is that right? Okay. Yeah, that's correct. So, will you tell us a little bit about the place that he was in when he uh, decided to open a brewery back in 1994? I know he went to uh, CSU for engineering, correct? That's correct. And then he decided he didn't want to be uh, like a regular mechanical engineer or whatever? Yeah, he, uh, he decided that uh, making money wasn't what he wanted to do. He wanted to make experiences and he wanted to, uh, you know, get people to connect to their communities. So he sat down one day and what's really cool is he has the visions on these coasters in his office that how it started, uh, what he wanted to do, the challenges that he was going to face, what people wanted, and that's before craft beer was even a big deal. And uh, he ended up saying, I wanted to start a brewery and this is what I wanted to do and or he wanted to do. and. And he said Colorado Springs was where they wanted to do it. They loved, they loved the community. They loved the atmosphere. They loved the water, water community. Right. And uh, water's important for beer. Absolutely. And then they started out Forge Road, um, kind of where we were Redlings at, which is really cool. And it just kind of went from there. And it was Mike and Amanda. And Amanda, she is a, she was working for a marketing firm, so she does all, all of our copyright here. So she had the vision of what the message needed to be. So Mike making the beer being a mechanical engineer, we had a really process with her being a marketing person, and they did pretty well together. Um, I think they're doing okay. Right, so right. They find a sustainable way. They seem to be doing pretty well for themselves. Yeah, they're doing yeah. all right. <laughs> so will you tell us a little bit about some of the uh, the challenges that they faced when they were opening Crystal Brooks? Oh man, some of the things that you shared with us and was just what's craft beer like? You know, '94. I think that was just kind of new to the scene. There was only a few people out there were making craft beer and you know you had to do it yourself and nobody wanted to try this beer. Nobody wanted to like like what is this? This isn't you know your regular lager, you know, all games aside. But it's just uh and you know, getting people to take a chance on them to say that's really this awesome experience, you know? And Red Rocket was what they went to the market with first and that's a pale ale. And that's a pretty aggressive style for people who are drinking light lagers. And it was tough for them. And but then people started seeing who they were and how to support their business and what kind of environment they offered and what kind of experience they were getting. And they took a chance and they started doing that. Then they get the old Chicago's downtown, they had McAllisters, and they were taking Laughing Lab and you know, everyone was like, Slapping Lab's not that bad. You know, like, what is this? And people got excited about it. But getting it into people's mouths, I mean that was a challenge. And then if you look at where we are now, it's just unbelievable. They were just, now, I mean, with all the beer styles, I can even imagine if you try to get somebody an IPA in 1994. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're not going to, they're not going to touch that. 
you know? So I think that was one of the big things. And if you were going to be accepted, I mean, can you be accepted in this community? Right. And, and they were, and they still are. And people love them, and, and we get to tell their message. It's really cool. We got to be responsible with it. Right. So I think that's probably one of the challenges they had. So from my experience interviewing brewers and uh, craft beer. Yeah, and to your point, I mean, the brewery community, right? We call the Brotherhood of Brewers. Yeah. Right? Uh, there's an old generation, and there's a new generation. And the new generation takes those ideas and they make them better. And, you know, the old generations, they're still, they still believe in it. They laid the foundation. And when everybody's doing it well together, that's when you become so powerful. And that's what you really want. And you can tell sometimes when the people are coming in, and they don't believe in what they're doing. Yeah. And it's hard sometimes to, to fight with that. Yeah. But there's so many more of that just they just get they overshadow that, they make it better. So which styles of beer um, are you guys' favorite to brew and to sell? What's your, your sort of niche in the market? I mean I think that kind of what we do, we have a lot of sessional beers. Mm-hmm. Uh, session was kind of the new term, right? Oh, it's a sessional beer. But we make beer that you can have, you know, one or, one or two or three, uh, and you can enjoy it, and you're not totally laying on the floor if you're like 10%, 11%. So those have a place, but we'll make those too. But it just, that's what we wanted to do. We love our traditional styles, our pale ales, our IPAs, our Scottish ales, our wheat beers. And I think that speaks to who we are. We definitely like Belgians. Belgians are awesome. Uh, Mike has a love for that. We have a lot of bottle conditioned Belgians that sit out in the back that he just saisons, the triples, the doubles. They're beautiful styles. And those that's what we're really known for. We're doing those kind of things. And that's kind of our niche. That's the, the beers we carry, right? We're teaching you these styles, we're sticking to it. And I think we're one of the only breweries in Probably Colorado that hasn't strayed away from our flagships for the last 23 years. Right. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking to your Belgian beers, this is a raspberry uh, trapel and it's absolutely fantastic. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a special stuff. Barrel aged for a while. Oh, it's, it's, it's amazing. So, yeah, that's something they did uh, last year. That was just kind of fun. And they tried to release that last week and they were like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. We wanted to do something special. So. You're actually getting to try something super special that was really neat to really Well, I gotta say it's fantastic. Good, so. well, we appreciate that. <laughs> so, tell me about a beer that sort of surprised you guys as far as sales or how difficult it was to brew or uh, an issue that you guys had or anything like that. Something that surprised you. You know, one this year that kind of really got us that we've always had was our Beehive Honey our session, or you know, our just go to market. That's the first beer you're trying here if you've never had a craft beer. And Lacking Lab's always been our number one. It's always, that's the one that pays the bills. Right? Sometimes it's not the most interesting, but it's a great beer. And Beehive, now, we use 60 pounds of honey in every batch that we do uh, from the local atheist, Frank Schmidt. It has a lot of meaning to us. Frank Schmidt is this wonderful older gentleman, uh, wears his overalls, brings us the honey, and, but he's just like, he's doing it himself. And you're like, man, can I carry that for you? He's supposed to do it all by himself. And somehow people really gravitate that towards us. And I think it's going to end up being our number one beer. Wow. Which, when you're looking in the, the market right now, no one's saying, I really want to create wheat beer. Right? It's like, I want an awesome IPA. Right? What are you going to do with that IPA? So that was surprising. And then the other one that was really challenging that also surprised us was our mango salad. 
We we did sours before, but we did it the old school way back in the you know ninety six, ninety seven. Our Stolen Bone series. Uh, shout out to Jason Yesman at Trinity because he's the one who did with it uh, with Mike and those guys. But that one was our first kettle sour that we've done in our crowd pond. And they were really concerned about the pH and making sure that temperature stayed the same. And they didn't want to make it all funky. And you know, they were on it for 24 hours. And I mean, that was the most challenging part because they hadn't done it in that system before. And then it ended up being this fantastic beer that none of us thought was going to be that great. And it just went everywhere. We sold out in probably, I don't know, six weeks. So to the point where it's going to be part of our, our series in 2018. Wow. And we're actually going to do another one. So craft beer can surprise you. Absolutely. So you guys sell only in Colorado, is that correct? That is correct. So why did you guys decide to sell only in Colorado? I just, I think when you're looking at where we're at, and you're looking at how craft beer is, and you're looking where it's going, it's really important to own your hometowns and to own the places that you can make an impact. Now, not to knock anybody else that's in other states, but I think that's great they make it there. But it's hard to control when you're in California and you're located in Colorado. And when there's just so much territory in Colorado, like Durango or you know, Fort Collins and all these places in Colorado, you can share this amazing craft beer and you're close to it and you can affect it if something happens. That's more powerful than making numbers in California. California's like a, got great breweries too, you know, and that's what makes sense to us. But you never say never, right? We're there. If it happens, it'll happen because we need to happen. Mm-hmm. But right now, there's just so many opportunities in Colorado. Right? And we love being in Colorado. We can control it. So we like that. Yeah, it's always nice to be able to control uh, the quality of your beer from when it hits the keg, you know, right out of the, uh, the brewery to, you know, uh, the shelf in, in your in your local uh, bar or uh, or uh, wherever you're buying beer. I mean, it's nice to be able to control that process the whole way through. And I can imagine that would be difficult um, if it's farther away. So but. yeah, and what's really cool, we have we have 70 people that work at our brewery, and they all live in different parts of Colorado Springs. And there's so many eyes on it. There's so many people that are paying attention to it and that have these relationships on top of our relationships with the. The people that buy it and it enhances so enhances so much more and that's the experience you're looking for. that's how you're part of the community that's what you're trying to do right so that's why i like it right so and stay profitable you got to stay profitable well so. that's important part of the uh business side of everything absolutely so, so. can't forget about it <laughs> so you just mentioned community uh, i was looking at your website and it says uh a quote there is that we believe in the local breweries and their ability to build community you explain how bristol really works and believes in that local community? Um, yeah, I think beer brings people together. It gets you to enjoy those company, to have these great ideas to how you can impact our community and how you can impact it in a positive way. They're the charitable beers that go for a cause that we do, you know, they're 100% nonprofit. The Vinatucci Farm one, which is, you know, right now they're under little question what's going on over there. But we believe in what they're doing and how we're going to get there to fix it. Or, you know, to the local artists or uh, to the trail and the spaces. That's our community. And with beer, uh, it's just when you sit down with somebody, you're able to have this great idea over a pint of raspberry. It's so impactful. And it's so real. And you just and then you kind of see how all the breweries now they understand that. 
and they're part of their community and they're doing things and they're they're taking initiative and they're they're doing things that are important to keep us sustainable, to keep our cities great, to keep our mouths beautiful, and it's all over beer, right? And I, I believe in it, and I don't know why it works. It just works. It's amazing. Well, to that end, you tell me a little bit about Ivywell and the amazing space that you guys have developed here that includes your tap room, but also a lot of other spaces here uh, in this uh, this area for the community. Yeah, they, um, so if you look kind of where we're at, Ivy Wild School has history. It was built in 1916, uh, it was closed down in 2006 or so. And then, um, I mean, that's 100 years of things that have happened here. Kids running out there, teachers impacting people. And, you know, we're sitting across the street at a brewery and we're thinking about what's the next step. And I remember looking at plans with Mike and uh, Josh, who was the GM at the time when I was there. And, he, they had this farmhouse group about how it's going to give back to the community, how they're going to be able to do these things. It was an idea. But then this kid became available. They're like, that is so much better. They restored the history. It didn't get lost. It didn't get leveled. And it enhanced the community. There's this Ivy Wild uh, Improvement Society that talks about all the history from here. It gave opportunities to the Millville Art Theater to, to bring the art to everyone to the space. To actually know, to have a space to for people to enjoy the whiskey, to the principal's office for libations and coffee, an event center, to just, uh, the food that they do here, and then even to uh, oh man, I forget right now the Old Bell Market that's up there where they get goods from third world countries and get real world prices for it, and so like everything has its purpose. And now it's become this communal center and it's brought this attention down to this area that needed attention because it's beautiful, right? There's this history, but it was being forgotten. So you kind of see now where it's focused and that's what Ivy Wild School is. It's just this whole symbol, it's just like all just working off of each other. It's amazing, you know? Yeah, well, I love that. I love the community nature of craft beer. I, I like just exactly what you're saying. I feel like a craft brewery, your local craft brewery can be your third place. I've heard that term where you have your house, you have your work, and then you have some other place in your community that you can go and relax and be with friends and be with neighbors. And I feel like a craft brewery can really be that third place that's as close to you as your home or as where you work and you spend your time. And, and I think that's wonderful, the community feel for your local brewery. That's sort of what, one of the things that we at Iowa College here want to promote. That's why we're here talking to you. Awesome. <laughs> That's what we'll leave into. So tell me a little bit about the future for Bristol Brewing Company. Where do you guys see your, your future? Where are you going? Um, you know, I think in our five-year plan, we probably want to be around, you know, 20,000 barrels. We want to make sure that we're making new and exciting beers, uh, maintaining the history of the beers that we have, um, listening to our, our, our clients, listening to our fans, uh, give them things they want, but be responsible about it. And, you know, building a better space here to accommodate the needs of Colorado Springs and also giving us the opportunity to give back even more. I can't even imagine. I mean, we have so many nonprofits that are so impactful for Colorado Springs, and we want to help them all. And we want to do it through here. And we want to make our space bigger. We want to give back to the space that the room we're in right now. I mean, this was essentially the old bar setup. We want to make this for the people that gave us our start. Right. We want to give homage to them. And then, you know, in the back, we're going to have two more levels. And it's going to be, it's going to be better 
suitably for everyone to enjoy this community space. And I think you'll see a lot of that happen in the next five years. And hopefully right now, just where the way craft beer is, you've got to know, don't bite up more than you can chew right now. Because there's a lot of great breweries out there. Yeah. And there's a lot of options and a lot of selections. Know your why. Know why you're doing it. Right. So. Yeah, I think that's huge. Knowing why you're doing what you're doing, I think, is more important than much of anything that you do. Because that why is sort of the reason people come to your group. They, they really want to know why you do what you do. So to that end, tell me a little bit about um, sustainability. I know that you guys sort of recycle some of your hot water yep. and sort of save energy that way. Tell us a little bit about some of the things that you guys do here for that. So for sustainability, um, so all of our six-pack areas, if you ever buy a six-pack of Bristol beer, you can come back and redeem them up. They'll give you 10 cents on it. We send it back to our glass packing plant to reuse it all the time. Um, it gives people that extra perk, helps them be responsible, helps them be a part of the cause. Uh, we've never changed that. We love it. It's great. Um, hopefully, that'll continue. Uh, just, you know, the can thing. I don't know how we do the can thing. Um, our uh, brown system that we grew on actually captures the heat from the steam, from the boil, to heat the building. So it's, act, it's actually more efficient than having solar panels. Wow. So, you know, Mike, you know, mechanical engineer and smart guys, uh, you know, they were able to do that. For spent grain going out to, to quarter close farms, you know, it's gone up to Venetici farms, and then I don't know anybody else who needs it, but it's making sure that we're using these things and that we're not just wasting it. And then even with our brow system, how it's efficient with water usage. So, I mean, that's the biggest part of brewing. You know, you, you want to be responsible with water. You don't want it to dump it down. So that's what we're doing. Just even just using each other stuff. Like the bakery uses our spent grains to, to make spent grain crackers so we can get back to you. We, the, the spent grain goes to the corner post so we can buy the meat so we can come back to here so we can serve it. That's how we're trying to be sustainable. Right? Uh, we still have what we can still do, do better. Um, and we will. We'll keep doing that, but I think where we're at right now, we're, just, we're always conscious about what we're doing and why we're doing it. So, Derek, what can we at I Look I Love Beer and our viewers at home do uh, for and with Bristol to help you guys achieve your vision? I think you know what you guys do is awesome. You're, you're talking about what Colorado beer is, you're talking about the great breweries and why you think they're Colorado beer breweries, and it's getting their message out, letting them know. Like, this is what you're supporting. This is what these guys are about. Regardless of your whole take on, is this guy bigger than this guy? Or this guy just makes this? Or this guy doesn't do this crazy beer? So, you know, it's it's about their stories. Because every brewery in this town, they have a story. And they don't always get the chance to say it. Right. You know, sometimes it's just, you have their packaging out on the shelf, and you're like, eh, that's cool. But there's a story behind that. And there's, there's something that, why that brewery did that, or why that brewery's open, or what it means to that brewery, what it meant to that family. And I think that's where you're going to really separate the people who are doing a good job in the breweries and the communities from the people who are in it to make money. And I think if you guys had that mission of, I'm going to talk about these great beers they have, and I'm going to talk about why they do it, and I'm going to let you know, that helps the brewery community. Because sometimes people just need to hear it. Right. Right. 
Well, that and come down and drink you guys' fantastic beer. Absolutely, yeah. Well, there's you always that. You gotta drink beer. You gotta twist my arm and drink a good craft beer. Yeah. Not really, yeah. Cool. So, um, what have we not talked about that you think our listeners would love to know about Bristol Brewing Company? I don't, I, I couldn't really tell you. I mean, one thing that I always thought was really cool about Bristol Brewing Company is some of the really cool brewers that are doing great things out in the community came through Bristol. Uh, you had the guys from Trinity, Goat Patch, uh, Black Fox, Dry Dock, Ska. Um, they came through Bristol at one point and they impacted our brewing community and then they went out and impacted theirs in a better way. And I always thought that was something that was really, really cool. That I've been here long enough to see these people come through and to see them be successful in the market and why they're successful. Um, so it's kind of stuck with me and, you know, I think the other thing that's really exciting about Bristol is, is you really try to focus on building teams and getting people to where they need to be and what what makes them valuable. Helping them understand that they all have value, all part of this team. What we try to do, we really try to work on that together um, to give you great deal. Sometimes it may not be the answers you want, but we get you to where you need to be. So it's all about leadership too. I think we really work on that. So I think it was kind of fun, exciting to about it. So the other stuff, you know, like mistakes we made, we don't need to talk about this. <laughs> you guys had to make a mistake, right? Uh, sometimes, when we have to, that's how we great. We made some mistakes. So if people wanted to know more information about Bristol, beers you guys have, what you guys are doing in the community, where can they go to find information? Oh, so you can go to our website, uh, bristolbrewing.com. You can go to our Facebook page. Uh, it's updated pretty much regularly. Uh, Instagram, we have our Instagram post. And then you can always contact us on the website. We always will reach out to you. We always like to interact with our fans and uh, ask us a question. Let us know. I had somebody ask me a question the other day. Where can I get this uh, Laughing Lab keychain that you guys made 10 years ago? You know, we'll answer you. I mean, we may not be able to find it, but we're going to answer you. We like to engage. We like to talk to you. Well, Derek, thank you so much. I really appreciate yeah, you coming on. I love color here. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. And, uh, I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks.